0: name is synonymous with suffering. He has become his own metaphor for misery and misfortune. His name is Job, and his life is an open book to the world. I'll be honest with you, I, I really didn't want ...to move into the book of Job. Not just for the obvious reason that... ...of all the calamity that happened in his life. I mean, man, how do you get your mind around all of that? But the primary reason that I walk with great trepidation... ...into the book of Job... ...is because from all the information we're given... The best we can tell, Job bore no responsibility for the catastrophes that threw his life into chaos. I, I, I hope that, now again, next Sunday, we're <coughs> uh, going to have the Lord's Supper together, but we're going to have three or four messages on the book of Job. and uh, So this morning is more of an intro, but again, we, we come into this, this whole narrative with, with great respect and with trepidation. And again, the scriptures do not blame Job for the horrors that rained down upon his life. In simplest terms, what happened to Job was not his fault. It's a concept difficult to get our hearts and our minds around. You see, as I thought through this, we we live in a linear world. We see things from this plane— in this pattern. You know, we have as our basic set of units of operation, uh, the United States has chosen the imperial system of measurement and not the metric system that the rest of the world has. They got it wrong. I always laugh whenever uh, Greg Vassar is here. Greg is, is uh, with his parents and family, uh, seeing them in Idaho right now. But anytime there is a need for measurement, anywhere in this building or anywhere in the world for that matter, if you're with Greg Vassar, you don't have a problem. Greg will tell you <coughs> from the beginning... He's measured his foot. It's exactly 12 inches. So whatever you need to measure, he can step it off. And he won't be more than a centimeter centimeter or two off. (laughs) Y'all don't get that. Centimeter or two, imperial. They're wrong. Okay. It was funnier to me. All right. (laughs) But Greg does. I mean, he has it. He knows he puts his foot down, that's 12 inches. He puts another foot down, that's another foot. So he can give a very specific measurement of an area because he knows his foot is 12 inches long, and we know that 12 inches is one foot, and one foot plus one foot, and on down the line is how we see life. It's a matter of behavior and consequences. We do this very thing in our, in our government, in our way of life. We It follows this rationale. If we do this, then this is going to happen. If we choose this road, we know what's on the end of this road and what will happen. It's a very logical, systematic behavior consequences way to look at life. The laws in our government, federal, state, city, these laws are presented in remarkable detail. And these laws tell us that there will be predictable consequences if you behave in this manner. If you engage in certain illegal prohibitive activities, This is what is going to happen. These laws warn us. They threaten us with negative consequences if we participate in illegal activities. So we know we take this step in this direction. That's where this is going to lead. If we take this step in this direction, that's going to be the end. We think in that rationale. God's ways... Are mostly that systematic. A passage we love to quote Galatians 6 7 and 8 do not be deceived, be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. If we sow to the flesh, if we sow to sin, out of those consequences, out of those behaviors, will be the consequences that are negative, that sin bring. We walk in faith and righteousness. These are the consequences that right behavior, right choices bring. But that didn't happen to Job. Job's life didn't follow that pattern. When suffering... Tragedy comes into our life. We think in terms of what did I do that I shouldn't have. We think in terms of what did I not do that I should have. We expect God to act and in, in reap and sow and reap. And what happens... when God acts above that. Job's story makes us cry out what's the deal? It makes us ask God why something like this could happen to a godly man. It's unfair. It's not right. It shouldn't have happened. And one of the primary points of the book of Job is that there are times those of you who have been through devastation Those of you who have lost children, those of you who have had bankruptcies, those of you who have had to face some very life-altering things, we know that we can't figure God out by human logic human reasoning are trying to understand why God where I am in these circumstances why has this happened to me to us and human logic will fail us listen to what the scripture says about Job in verses 1 through 5 There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God, stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. And he was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. Job's sons would take turns... Preparing feasts in their home. And they would invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. And when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular practice. Now from these five verses... We learn these three things about this man, Job. First thing we learn is that he was, in truth, indeed, a godly man. The scriptures use four terms to identify Job's walk with God. First term is the word blameless. It means exactly what we think. It means complete Righteous, unblemished, the absence of guile. In other words, no kidding. The dude was real. Blameless, upright, that means to stand straight. It has the idea of being honest and having integrity. He feared God, that is, he trembled before the Holy One. He sensed. His own human weakness in the presence of the Creator. And four, he stayed away from evil. That is, when his eyes looked upon temptation and evil, he immediately and he intentionally looked away. Job was a godly man. Secondly, he was a wealthy man. This is asserted in the record that he had 7,000 sheep. Back, even back 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. In other words, Job was loaded. I mean, the dude was loaded. He was a wealthy man, the wealthiest in all of the area. So he was a godly man, he was a wealthy man, and he was a family man. His family meant the world to him. Job's family is described as having these periodic celebrations where uh, the uh, sons would invite the whole family and they would come together for food and time. And uh, Job was such a spiritually-minded father that after their celebrations, he would go and offer a burnt offering. He would pray on behalf. He would cover his children before God just in case they might have sinned. So this, man, this is a father's heart with his children. The picture that is painted in this introduction in the book of Job, these first five verses show Job living his best life. I mean, things are on a roll. Money's coming in. He has no issues with uh, how he's going to feed his family tomorrow. He is the president and CEO of this company. He can do what he wants, but he has a heart for his children. I mean, even as adults, whatever they did, it was in his heart that God protect them. God look over them. God cover them. Living his best life until all hell breaks loose and the wheels of this party van came off. Follow me as we pick up the story in verse 13, Job 1. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at his older brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabines raided us. They stole all of the animals and killed the farmhands. And I'm the only one who escaped to come tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all of the shepherds. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants, and I'm the only one left to come tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their older, oldest brother's home and suddenly a powerful wind, wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Had any one of those things happened, had any one of those type things occurred in your life and mine, we would have considered it a catastrophe. If we lost our homestead, if we lost our wealth, and then if we lost our family. They came in and laid one bomb after another. Hey, Job, I'm going to detonate this thing. Boom. Second guy came in. Hey, Job, boom. Hey, Job, boom. And then the last one was the worst. Job went from having it all to losing everything. Everything. He went from, worship, uh, from living out his dream life to it being shattered into a nightmare. He went from a worshipful, yes, Lord, to screaming out no at the top of his lungs. And the scariest part of, of it, he did nothing. He did nothing wrong. We would rather think, as did Job's friends, that Job had some kind of hidden life, a double life. That there was something else going on in Job's life that we're not party to or that God knows that we don't. But the scriptures preclude any of that. But it would make us feel better. Or, or, or maybe one of his kids. Maybe, maybe he had a black sheep in the family. An errant son. Uh, someone who was bringing shame to the name of the family. That would even, That would even make some sense to us in this. The truth is, when it all comes out, the fault, the blame, and the guilt. Holy cow, the guilt of what happened leaves an unsettling emptiness in our gut. Because we can't comprehend it. I want to put that thought on a shelf because we're going to dive into that in the Sundays to come, but for a moment let me put that on a shelf and we'll pick it back up and let me kind of shift gears here because there are a lot there are many things about the book of Job that are well known, well known to Christians well known to non-Christians again, the name Job speaks of pain but there's one fact about the book of Job that is not so well known, and that is that scholars believe, historians and researchers believe, that the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Oldest book in the Old Testament, the oldest book, therefore, in the Bible. <clears throat> no matter how many times you Google it and it tells you Genesis is the first book that was written, is not. Because of the content, because of some of the concepts that are in the book of Job, those who research such things tell us that these are, these are elementary, these are primary principles that God is communicating from on high to his people about who he is and who we are to be. So we're talking about earliest days of this communication. And that helps us understand a little better this book. I want to close out this morning by identifying quickly three principles from the book of Job. And these are, again, three of the earliest ways God communicates. Three of the earliest things of importance. Fundamental principles. Foundational truths that he lays out in this book that you and I need to cement ourselves in. The first principle is this. There is indeed a spiritual world that impacts this physical realm that we live in. Look in verses 6 through 12. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser Satan also came along. Now, now, understand in these passages what is happening. Okay? Again, first book, first communication from God to his people. And the very first thing the writer does that God does in communicating who he is to his people after introducing Job... The hero into the story immediately thereafter, God rips open the curtains and says, Look, look, see what is going on behind the scenes of your world. Very first principle, right out of the blocks, God says, Look, There is a spiritual realm, and it definitely impacts your life and mine. Remember, in the overall plan of God, the holy hand of God will lead us. And in this very first script, God shockingly and surprisingly gives us a view of heaven. He wants us to know that an unseen world exists that can have dramatic effect in our lives. The second point is this. There are times when God allows our faith to be tested. There are times... in the overall mind and perfect plan of God, perfect purposes of God, there will be times when you and I will walk through testing. There are times in the plan of God that you and I our faith will cost us. That's a given. There are too many biblical examples to go into there. I, I, all, all of our experiences are that, that testing will come. In fact, that's the very accusation Satan makes against Job. God, are you kidding me? Let's, let's get real and serious. You want to know why this man worships you you want to know why this man follows you it's because he's no fool he sees what you've given him he oh he understands he understands that this is your life your love to him your protection over him he's not a fool but you take these things away from him thank you sweetie pie you take these things away. We'd be here all day long if you hadn't brought them enemy. <laughs> you take these things away from him. What you've given. He will curse you to your face. And we'll get into this more later. But. The book of Revelation. Shows the same thing. Satan Still. Accusing God's people before the Father. Times of testing. Times of proving. Times of walking with our faith strong. But it costing us something in this world. And the third point is this. Early... Foundational issues in the entire faith of Yahweh. There's a spirit world that affects this world. There will be times when God calls us to walk in faith when it will cost us. And in principle three. God is God and we are not. We can't get the cart in front of the horse. There's a powerful dramatic scene found in the later chapters of the book of Job. Beginning in chapter 38, let's just do a run through very quickly of this conversation. In Job 38 verses 1 through 7. The Lord answers Job from the whirlwind. Job is making these accusations. It's unfair. It's not right. These, my friends are wrong. I've not done anything in the hiddenness of darkness. I'm, I'm not living in, in rebellion or sin. I, these, you're not right. And God, why, what's the deal? And God responds. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, he says to Job, because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line who support, or What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. And then in chapter 40, verses 6 through 14. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man because I've got some questions for you and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me? just to prove that you are right? Are you, Job, as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right. Put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it flow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I, Would praise you for your own strength, would save you. And then in chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, Job responds to God I know that you can do anything and that no one can stop you. You ask, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? Job said to me. I was the one. I was talking about things. I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. I had only heard about you before. But now. Now. I've seen you with my own eyes and I take back everything I said. That's one of these fundamental lessons that we have to keep learning over and over and over again. God is God, and we aren't. And there may be things that happen in our life. There may be things that have happened in your life. And things may come that make no sense to you. That feel like God is piling on. That feels like it's undeserving, and it's not of grace and it's not right in God why 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 am i in am i here and all those questions and doubts and fears are real and genuine And God will deal with us. He'll allow us. He will allow us to spout. He will allow us to get all of it out. But then he will come back and tell us, though you don't understand, you have to trust me. Because there are things going on that are too wonderful and too great for you to understand. But I am your Father and you can trust me. Take my hand and walk with me through this. Because folks... We can get angry at God. We can shake our fist at God. We can dance around and stomp our feet and tell God we'll never set foot in church again. But we were made to have a right relationship with Him. And if we continue our lives cockeyed like that, with, with our faith twisted in a knot. And with growing anger against God. That is going to tear us up. We will never heal like that. In this world, we don't see things clearly. One day we will. Until then, we take his hand. And through whatever life brings, we walk with him. And when we do that as moms and dads and our kids see that faith it will speak of